This is Apply the Word, the teaching ministry of Pastor Ty Orr and Water Springs Church. Here's a preview from Pastor Ty of today's message. When you know His will, you begin to focus on that journey, that plan, instead of all the other stuff that's going on around you. And God's plan, ultimate plan is this. Listen carefully. I want you to consider God's ultimate plan. God's ultimate plan is to bring glory to Himself in everything. And that's God's ultimate plan. You're saved is for His glory. You serve for His glory. Did you know that God called you to this fellowship for His glory? God's ultimate plan for you is that you come to a saving relationship with Him and that you bring glory to His name in everything you do. Today, Pastor Ty is going to show you how important it is to be like-minded with your brothers and sisters in Christ in the Lord so you can work together for His glory. If conflict rises up, you need to choose unity. You should always be moving forward in your relationship with Christ and putting aside disagreements and conflicts is important to that end. Now here's Pastor Ty in the book of Philippians chapter 4 for today's edition of Applied the Word. I got to tell you guys right now, there's nothing I'd rather be doing than presenting Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, is, it is an honor and a privilege to serve and to love and to teach God's Word. And God's Word is an incredible gift to us. And I think sometimes we miss out on that. We miss the incredible gift that God's word is because God's word is speaking so directly to our very lives at every moment. How many of you right now recognize that this life, here's a way to put it, our life is the avalanche of our choices. How many of you guys can relate to that? Okay. I want you to consider that right now. And you know what? When we take this recording later, we'll probably entitle a message that, you know. But the idea of, you know, the avalanche of our choices, that is truly what our life is. Our life is the culmination at the bottom of this life of all the choices that we've made, good or bad. We have made lots of choices. And, you know, I'll be honest, I don't always make the right choice. Anybody here always make the right choice? No. Well, yeah, I appreciate that, brother. Uh, but, you know, we don't always make the right choice. In fact, sometimes we make the opposite choice. And sometimes we make the opposite choice to the will of God. And those are the ones that frighten me. Those are the ones that create the landslides that land on me. But here's the deal. I want you to think about that for a minute. Every time we make a choice, something's moving. And when we make a choice and something's moving, sometimes other people get caught in the disaster that is our bad choices. Now, as Joshua was ending his life, Joshua was old, and he called all the people together to Joshua chapter 24, and he calls the people together, and he begins to declare to them that they need to serve the Lord. They shouldn't serve idols 
or their attitudes or false gods. They need to serve the Lord. Specifically, the issue of you need to serve the Lord and not the gods of Egypt because you were just delivered from there. Now, it's 40 years after their deliverance, and he's still telling them to forsake idolatry. What does that tell us? The observation is very clear. They still had idolatry in the camp. The Jewish people, after 40 years in the wilderness, had still gotten caught up in idolatry. They've gotten caught up in all these things. And he says, look, you need to stop. And so he says this in Joshua 24, and starting in verse 14, he says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord. So that's the first key right there. Fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of every success in our life. So when we have to make a choice, we need to start with this idea of fearing God. So is the choice that I'm going to make, am I making it in the fear of God? In other words, my God sees, my God knows. Am I about to do that? So he says, now therefore fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and truth. The idea of sincerity without fakeness, without a false front. So serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods that your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Now, this is him. He's just crying out. And he's old. And he's crying out. He says, you need to serve the Lord. When we are old, what will we say to people? Will we say, serve the Lord? Or will we say, you're fine, do whatever. Are we going to lose our vigor? Are we going to lose our zeal for the right choices that people need to make for God? We need to stay in this. And here he is. And so now he goes on into verse 15. He says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether you will serve the gods of your father that your father served and were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, you do understand that what he just made was a choice. He just said, I'm going to forsake this for this. I'm going to forsake all of the idolatry and all of this. I'm going to forsake that for this. That's a choice. And he calls everyone around him. He says, I want you to choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. If you think it's evil to serve the God who delivered you, then you figure out who you're going to serve and you get on with it. But you need to choose. You get the sense from Joshua, he didn't feel there was a fence that you could stand on. You get the sense that there wasn't a, well, maybe I'll serve the Lord, maybe I won't. You know, it was, look, you either don't or you do. So in our life, our life is full of choices. And I find it very interesting, as we study together the word of God, we are constantly confronted with the choice whether to obey or not. You guys understand that, right? We are confronted with God's word, and I mean to use the word confronted. We are confronted with God's word because it is truth. So truth comes and confronts us, and we can either choose to honor and obey it, or we can choose not to obey it. How many people in a church on any given day are choosing to serve the gods of the Amorites, the gods of the Egyptians, and not the God who has delivered them? Because when they're confronted with God's word, they don't respond to God's word. They kind of get this whatever, I'm all good because I said a prayer. Or I'm all good because my parents went to church. Or my grandparents went to church. Or I've come to church my whole life, so I'm okay. That is not a right way 
for us to respond to God's word. Now, as we continue through Philippians, remember, Philippians is a book dealing with joy. He's writing from jail. He's, the circumstances are not joyful, but he's talking about joy over and over and over again. And we're going to go ahead, and the base part of our study is going to start in verse 2, because verse 1 doesn't belong in the rest of this section, and here's why. See, the things you need to understand is when we read the Bible, Understand, chapter breaks and verse breaks are not anointed. They're not of the Holy Spirit. There's some guys said, that's long enough, break. You know, and they try and break him at subject lines, but many times they miss. Listen to verse 1. It says, therefore, that's a conclusion idea, isn't it? So good Bible students, think about this. Therefore is a conclusion statement. So chapter 1 starts with therefore, but he, does, he changes his subject in verse 2, saying, I implore Eodea. He's changed subject. So he says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Guys, understand that this goes with that our citizenship is in heaven. So that verse 1, you might want to put a little arrow and point it up to that last section there in your Bible so you know when you're reading it or teaching it that that verse goes with contextually, this idea of, you know, he says, brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I told you often and now tell you, uh, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is to their shame, who set their mind on things ahead, on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he wants to make sure they're looking to Jesus. We want to be pointing people to Jesus. You know what? People want to see Jesus. And he says, look, there's all these other people that are evil out there, but you know what? We need to look to Jesus because our citizenship is in heaven. And then he says in verse 21, who will, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Therefore, my beloved brethren, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand in the Lord, beloved. Stand in the Lord. So the idea is like this whole concept of standing in the Lord. We stand in the Lord because of this. We stand in the Lord because we have a citizenship that's in heaven. How many of you in this room, to be completely honest, have ever been confronted with a day where you just wanted to quit? You know what I'm talking about. The, it's like, I'm done. The following Jesus thing is hard. And so I'm done. We need to remember our citizenship is in heaven, so stand fast. That means don't move. Stand fast means don't move. You are a Christian. I want you to know this right now. You are born again. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you to empower you to be a witness for the kingdom of God. Don't be moved. Don't let yourself be moved. Stand fast in him. Now, as we continue now in chapter 4, we start in verse 2 where he says, and I want you to understand that how we have English-sized Greek names is troubling sometimes because we, we read them and we try and make them English. They are actually Greek words. And so sometimes how they look in English isn't how they're actually pronounced in Greek. Um, I am probably the worst at butchering names, 
but I'm trying, this is kind of part of my, one of the things for me, it's really important in my own walk with the Lord, because what happens is we tell people, oh, this name means this, but we pronounce the name wrong, which if you say that to somebody who actually speaks the language, they look at you and go, what? That word doesn't exist in our language. What are you saying? It's right. And so I want you to understand this. We, we read these names. We look at them and go, well, that doesn't say that. Some of them look close. Some of them don't. Some of them have sounds in them, which is I can't say that I can't do those through a whole study. It would be really weird. So I'm just I'm just letting you know that my heart is to pronounce things as closely as I can. Occasionally, I'm going to really get it wrong. But <clears throat> I just want to let you know if it sounds different to you, that's why. So Paul says this. He says, I implore Eodia and I implore Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So here he is and he says, look, I want to implore you, Eodia, I want to implore you, and Sintichi, I want to really implore you. I'm going to have, I want you to do something. Be of the same mind. So he implores these two women. The word implore is a call to action. It's a verb. He's calling them to action, and he's saying, to, it's begging them earnestly, or basically desperately. He's saying, I really want you to do this. Paul is asking for an action to be taken by two individuals in the church. He's confronting them with this idea of being of one mind and the same mind in the Lord. The reason is kind of simple. Apparently, these two women were, you know, were a source of some sort of quarrel in the church. So these two women were in some sort of quarrel. And I want you to just for a moment realize what he just did. He just called them out publicly. Do you understand how the letters worked, right? The letters were not written to her, was not written to either of these young women or older women, we don't know, was not written to either of them. It was written to the saints of Jesus Christ that were in Philippi. It was also addressed to the bishops and the deacons. It was written to the leadership and the entire church. And they just got called out by the Apostle Paul Publicly. Now, how many of you at that point would say, that's it, I'm leaving this church? How, right? You, you, how many realize that for a minute? When was the last time you got called out? When was the last time somebody looked at you and said, your attitude is not godly? When was the last time somebody called you out? How would that be if you got called out from a pulpit? Think about that for a minute. I want you to let this sink in for a minute, because you guys know me. I'm not, I'm not the call you out kind of guy from the pulpit, okay? There are people who do that, but... This is just what these two women, Paul's just urged them from that public place in front of all these people. Could you imagine how they feel right now? About to speak. Right? And, and so, you know, everybody probably, you could see the room, right? Because one of them's probably over here and the other one's over there because they don't want to have anything to do with each other. Just call them out. Call them out publicly. But he, what does he call them out publicly to do? I think this is interesting. He says, be of the same mind in the Lord. This is so important because what's happening is they are being confronted with God's word to make a choice. And the choice is this. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. It is to choose unity over conflict. They are being called out publicly. They're being called out by God's word, by the, through the Holy Spirit, to do this, to resolve conflict, to not be in conflict and choose unity over conflict. And so he says, be of the same mind. Now, I like what Paul did. Paul, as a leader, did not take a side. 
he said, be of the same mind in the Lord. Because whenever you take a side, guess what happens? Somebody else is mad at you. Isn't that great? Do you remember what happened when Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in the first letter? They were like, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of C. I, you know, they're like all those things. And he says, look, I'm really glad I didn't baptize any of you. Right? <laughs> because you're all getting this ego trip on who baptized you, which is weird. And so I'm paraphrasing. But, you know, but you understand. He says, like, this is really weird. It's the idea of being in a place of pointing people in the correct direction. Are there times that we need to be talked to? We need to be worked through? Yes. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, I had a moment where I remember being pulled into the pastor's office and I was just kind of a grunt at the church. I wasn't a pastor. I was just, you know, teaching a Bible study here or there. I worked at a radio station and they, they called me in the office. They handed me a piece of paper with a bunch of uh, verses on it about pride. And I looked at them and I said, what's your point? And they said, that's the point. <laughs> and you know what? I'll be honest. I didn't recognize it in myself. It took years for me to recognize it. And now that I've, I've done that, they called me out. These guys loved me, loved me enough to call me out. They loved the church enough to call me out. You know what? Here's Paul. And he says, look, I want you to understand you need to be in the Lord. So he doesn't take aside to solve the problem. He just tells him to be in the same mind of the Lord. This is a great biblical way to solve conflict. I want you to realize that. It really is. Being in the same mind in the Lord does resolve a lot of conflicts because what happens is your eyes are off of self and they're off of situation. If your eyes are on the Lord and you're being of the same mind of the Lord, it's not about us anymore. It's not about what we got going on. And so when we're confronted with something like this, we have to choose unity over conflict every time. It's that important. And he says the idea here of, you know, going on, uh, separating self and the situation. How about separation of emotions and feelings? How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I, I can't go to church there anymore because somebody hurt my, what? Feelings. Now, are feelings real? Yes. Look, I don't want you to ever think that, well, you know, well, we have to just shove our feelings away. You know what? Feelings are what make a marriage work. Marriages are based upon two people who have feelings for each other. And you need to communicate those feelings. You need to communicate how you feel. But when there's a conflict, we need to be of the same mind in the Lord. It doesn't mean we don't have feelings. It means we're trying to separate ourselves long enough to get our eyes back on the prize and away from the situation long enough to realize, to kind of sort it through. Because how many of you have ever sent that email that you shouldn't have sent or the text you shouldn't have sent or made the phone call that you shouldn't have made at the time? You know what I'm talking about, right? You can't take that stuff back. And so we put ourselves out of that. What happens when we do this, guys, we put our eyes on the Lord. We're putting our eyes on him, on the gospel, on the mission. That's what we're doing. So instead of there being this conflict between these two women, who, by the way, were servants with Paul in the gospel, they were having this problem. So the same mind in the Lord. Same means identical or unchanging. So you need to have an unchanging, identical mind to the Lord, what his plans are. The mind in the narrow sense of understanding what God's word says in the very narrow sense is the intellectual process of man, our mind, how we think. But in the broad sense, what man is speaking of here is the total sum of a man's mental and moral state of being. So a man's complete moral and mental state of being. So our moral and mental state of being are to be in the Lord. They're to be in Him. Having the same mind of Christ is to know His will. When you know His will, you begin to focus on that journey, that plan, instead of all the other stuff that's going on around you. 
And God's plan, ultimate plan is this. Listen carefully. I want you to consider God's ultimate plan. God's ultimate plan is to bring glory to himself in everything. And that's God's ultimate plan. You're saved is for his glory. You serve for his glory. Did you know that God called you to this fellowship for his glory? God called these two women to that fellowship for his glory. And they're having a problem. So he says, man, you need to to put your eyes on Christ. You need to get your eyes off this other stuff. What does that mean kind of a little bit more in depth? Well, it means to have an identity with Christ's purpose. Christ's purpose, we found from Luke chapter 19, verse 10, was to seek and save the lost. So Christ's purpose was to seek and save the lost. So if I'm going to have, if I'm going to have the mind of Christ, I'm going to have God's will, which is to make sure that in everything he gets glory. And through Christ, it was to seek and save the lost. It means that we have Jesus's perspective on humanity, on our obedience from Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. We have compassion for people, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 36. Um, And then also we have a prayerful dependence upon God. Did you know that Jesus had a prayerful dependence upon God? I mean, he rose up early to pray. Now, if you look at the disciples, we call them the apostles, but they acted like the B team a lot, if you think about it, because he would go up and he would go early in the morning and pray. There were times they get up and go, where's the master? Because he went up to pray. So to have the mind of Christ is to have the mind of the Lord This concept of just saying, you know what? It's greater than earthly wisdom. It's greater than man's wisdom. It's greater than my wisdom. It's greater than my plans. God gets glory. I reach to seek and save the lost. I have compassion on people. I have prayerful obedience to God, dependence upon God. But to be of one mind with Christ, there are three things that are very, very important. I'd like you to write these down if you're taking notes. Three things that are very important about having the mind of Christ. Number one, you have to be saved. Can't have the mind of Christ if you're not saved. You can have an attitude about things that you've heard about Christ, but you cannot have the mind of Christ unless you're saved, born again. The second thing is you cannot have the mind of Christ without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you need to be filled with the Spirit. Because the Spirit is going to teach you and bring all things to remembrance which God has spoken to you. So you want to have that filling of the Spirit. But here's the third, and I think the most important thing, is you need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. Because to have the mind of Christ in a situation where you have to make a choice, you have to be yielded to God to make the right choice. See, our life is about who we're going to choose to serve. And so as we decide who we're going to choose to serve, here is God pouring out upon us his love and his grace, his Holy Spirit, his power in us, that we might be witnesses for him, that we might love him, that we might serve others. And so we need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit when we are confronted with those choices of conflict or things like that. Three things when you're having the mind of Christ. Being saved, born again, filled with the Spirit, and yielded to the Spirit of God. There's a couple other places where Paul deals with this concept of being of one mind, and it's actually, it's in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, if you want to turn there, he says this, he says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, which by the way there is, any comfort and love, if any fellowship in the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and what? One mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, 
But in lowliness of mind, let us esteem others better than ourselves, and let each of you look not out for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Discord and disunity have no place in God's house or in the heart of any believer. Pastor Ty showed you today that it only hurts your relationship with God and with other Christians and that you need to put it all away very quickly. Let God's grace cover you and choose unity and camaraderie with other believers so that your witness and testimony won't be hurt and so that you can keep moving forward in your walk with Christ. The ministry of Apply the Word is made possible by the financial and prayer support of listeners like you. Would you commit to praying regularly for us and for the listeners of this program? Your prayers make a difference and allow you to participate in the powerful ways God is changing lives. Please let us know you'll be praying by dropping us a note at applytheword at watersprings.net. Would you also pray about donating financially to this ministry? Your contributions are a blessing to us and to other listeners. Donations can be made at watersprings.net and for gifts of $25 or more, we'll send you our book of the month. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call us at 208-524-4747. That's 208-524-4747. Your heart needs to be willing to fully submit to God's Holy Spirit moving through you if you want to see His work in your life. Next time on Apply the Word, Pastor Ty is going to encourage you to always submit yourself to being filled again and again by the Holy Spirit so He can continually move through you and use you to bring glory and honor to God and to bring others closer to God through your daily actions. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Apply the Word with Pastor Ty Orr. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting watersprings.net or by downloading our mobile app. Join us next time to continue our study in the book of Philippians, right here on Apply the Word.